Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter, and strap in for some NBA trade discussions, MLB storylines, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 228. I stumbled upon a graphic from CBS Sports this past week showing the most NFL losses in the past 20 seasons. Coming in at number one were the Browns at 222 losses, the Lions at 216 losses, and then the Raiders and Jags were tied for 211 losses over the past 20 seasons. The Patriots were at the bottom of this list with an astounding 92 losses over 20 seasons, which does average out to you at 4.3 losses per season. But... That got me thinking, who is the team that has the most regular season losses in the NFL overall? Like, combine everybody together, who has the most amount of losses? And I'll tell you, it's not the Browns, Lions, Raiders, or Jags, who I listed off already. It also isn't the Patriots, since I mentioned them as well. So I want your three guesses on who has the most losses, regular season losses, in the NFL. Shout them out or message them to you? Well, we'll shout them out. And, and then Brownie points if... Uh, to whoever comes closest to naming the, the number of losses as well. So you can just oh, shout them out. I mean, what? I would bears. say uh, the Bears, yeah. So you're both saying Bears? Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kyle? I want to go with something different. It's probably a good idea. Right. Because right off the top of my head, I just assumed Bears or Packers, because they just yeah. are old and around for a yeah. long time. That's that fair. was exactly my thinking, too. Um... Who's lost a lot? You're overthinking you mean, it, my man. I, I would tell you, I'll but just I would take, get the answer away. I'll take There's the only Packers. 32 teams, and we will take the Packers. six of them. And then uh, anybody have a guess on how many losses that is? Can I get like a hint on years or? Nope. 812. I'll say like 785. 715. Ariane, you're the closest to the number of losses. The number of losses was 790 losses from the Arizona Cardinals from 1920 when they were still the Chicago Cardinals up until present day. Shout out to the St. Louis Cardinals in the middle. Another team that left my city. The Lions in my original stat were number two. Uh, They're also number two overall with 702 losses. Then we have the Giants, Eagles, Commanders, then the Bears at 624 rams and then the packers at 590 so we were closer than kyle you're closer than kyle what what place were the rams in uh the rams were between the bears and the packers what is that like six seventh seven they'd be the seventh most the two st louis teams taking up the number one and seven spots (laughs) love that uh the the winningest team or at least the the team with least amount of losses is the buccaneers at 442 oh i was gonna i was gonna guess the Steelers. I was going to guess the Steelers, yeah. Uh, The Steelers are actually next up after the Packers with 571 losses. They've just been around for too long. You have to guess the new teams. Well, unless it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. When he said the winningest team, I assumed he was going to do it with, you know, something like most wins, not least losses. (laughs) The least losingest team. The the least losingest, yes. I did correct myself. Yeah. Yeah, I can't get my mind off of football, so... I mean, we're, we're only like not, like nine and a half weeks, nine weeks from Cyclone football season starting. Thankfully. Like, it's coming around the corner sooner rather than later, so. I still haven't wrapped my mind around how weird it is that we have new people in the division. It really won't set in until we start seeing them in the division for me. 
Even then, you'll be confused. Yeah. Like, why? Why is this yeah. a non-conference? This? Oh, wait. Why am I playing <laughs> BYU? Oh. In Provo. So we will get there in uh, in a few weeks, but we got to wrap up uh, some of our winter sports seasons uh, before we get there. And uh, Ariane, we missed you last week because there was a lot of NBA news that happened in these last couple weeks with the draft and everything. You want to fill us in on everything that happened while you were gone? Yeah, it seemed like a lot happened while I was taking a week off. We'll cover just some basics about the draft. I don't want to get too into it. If you want to look into it, there are plenty of places for it, but we can't get into the super nitty gritty here. Real quick, Victor Wimbanyama went first overall, like everyone expected. Uh, Then Brandon Miller went second to the Hornets, which had been rumored to be for a while, so not super surprising. Then Scoot Henderson at three to the Trailblazers. Eamon Thompson and then Osser Thompson at four and five to the Rockets and the Pistons, respectively. And yes, they are twins. The first twins to ever go in the top five, first brothers to ever go in the top five of the same draft. The only other set of brothers to go in the top five in the draft, I believe, were both the balls. Lonzo and Lamelo, obviously not LiAngelo. Kind of interesting thing that I noted when I was looking at it, uh, only one out of those top five players and six out of the top ten players drafted first played college football or basketball, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now we're seeing these talent pools come from different places, be it overseas or different leagues in the Americas, just kind of something interesting to keep an eye on and see if that becomes more of a trend. But I thought it was interesting that only one out of the top five players this year actually played any college at all. And some people thought maybe he shouldn't have played as much college ball as he did for some extracurriculars that may or may not have happened. And then the more exciting stuff was that a whole bunch of trade stuff happened, like big, weird trades. The one that was going on for a while, there was a bunch of talk about Bradley Beal. And sure enough, Bradley Beal went to the Suns, plus Goodwin? Who's Goodwin? I don't even know who these guys are because I didn't pull it up. No, I didn't I didn't know either last week when I br- briefly touched on him. Jordan Goodwin and Isaiah Todd. There you go. So if you don't know who they are, just bench players. There you go. Uh, and then Chris Paul ended up going to the Wizards and Shamit and Picks. Kyle, you wanted to talk about this one a little bit? Well, so this one was confusing, right? Mm-hmm. So the Suns, obviously CP3 kind of wasn't working. They needed to get someone who could give you more minutes since Kevin Durant often gets injured now, kind of take the load away. Sure, Bradley Beal's a go-get-a-bucket guy, but also one who has had quite a few significant injury concerns, right? And so the other thing here is a lot of teams are getting bigger right now, and you have to compete in a, in the West. And so now you're, you brought in another, what, super max guy in Bradley Beal? You have, they have, what, six players on their roster right now? Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton. Ayton. I, I don't know who else is on their roster. Campaign, like, I think. Sure, campaign. Okay, and there's Corey five. Craig, I think. Like, there That's is... It. There are your six guys. You have to somehow fill out your roster with everyone on veteran minimum deals now. Like, I get it. They could do it and tempt everyone to warm climate in Arizona in a winter league sport. Great. 
whatever. Sure. But like, you have to tempt people to come there and play, and there isn't enough ball to go around to all of those guys. And DeAndre Ayton was already pissed that he wasn't getting the ball enough, and now you brought in another shooter mm-hmm. rather than someone like Aaron Gordon who could really help fill out that roster a lot better. I don't know. Aaron Gordon's just a a guy to put out there because he really helped the Nuggets, in my opinion, this right. this year win their championship. Not available, but right. But my point stands. Like this, this team is confusing to me, and I think they have to trade DeAndre Ayton now in order to a reduce the amount of money they're paying all their players, and like the amount of money committed to just four people, but they have to fill out their roster inevitably when these guys get hurt. Right. Rumor going around now is that they are not planning on trading him anymore. Uh, but even if they did, then what they're going to start jock Landale at the five in the West where they have to deal with Nikola Jokic. I, yeah. I don't know how that works. I don't understand it anyway. They basically were like, you know what would we be? What would be better if we just traded even more of our team, even though we just gutted our team for Kevin Durant and then found out that we didn't have enough depth to get through the playoffs and lost because of it, let's do that again. And do that for a lesser version of a player we already have on our roster, more or less. What does Bradley Beal do better than Devin Booker? Not much that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh you're basically going to have to shift Devin Booker to the one. He's going to play point guard the entire time, or most of the time. Obviously, they'll have a backup, hopefully. <laughs> so you're going to have Devin Booker. They already have a point guard on the roster campaign, but he's not your prototypical NBA starting point guard. No. But you have Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant at three or the four, whatever you want to do. You have DeAndre Ayton. So you have a wing spot to fill with someone. Who knows who? But you have now you have three guys who are big ISO scorers, mid-range scorers, shooters. That's fine, but it just it feels very overlapping. It doesn't feel like we have a lot of different skill sets. It feels like we have the exact same skill set a bunch of times. And if a team figures out how to shut that down, all your guys are shut down. You made mention of the fact that Bradley Beal hasn't been the most, you know, uh, reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to guess the last time he played over 60 games in a season was? Probably three years ago, before the COVID year. It was the 2018-2019 season. So before that even. Four years ago. Yeah. The most he's played, he's played 50, 40, 60, and 57 games. So yeah, there is a huge concern, I think, about injury. And I could definitely see this season going, KD goes down, Beal goes down. Now it's Booker and Aiden. Booker and, Booker and KD have injury concerns too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not as worried about Booker, but Booker is the most sturdy out of those three. So and he's the youngest. Yep. Hey, it's just the construction of this team is so confusing to me when you have teams like the Nuggets who you know you have to go out and beat, and you look at them and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, sure. It's just Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Okay, Nikola Jokic, possibly the best player in the game right now. And Jamal Murray is a go-get-a-bucket guy, but they have so many other pieces that fill their roster out. And they have depth. Like, this team is so 
top heavy. I don't know how they, they think they're going to compete. 85-80% of their salary tied up to four players. If you win the regular season, that's what this move is. They won the regular season. Good good for them. They shouldn't try and win the regular season. Who cares? Like, they should you try are and be the sixth seed right. at best. You are building a team to go win a championship, and you might not have two of these guys available for the postseason. So yeah. big problem, and you, then you have no bench. I was going to say, you basically have to rest your stars the whole time. And then once you get there, keep your fingers crossed that everybody's healthy and then hope you win every game 150 to 143. Because also no defense is really going to get played. There are no plus defenders there. Kevin Durant's okay. DeAndre Ayton's good. I don't know. Why? So, okay, we haven't talked about the Celtics, Grizzlies, Wizards three-team deal. That one's next. Okay, let's just hop into here because I kind of want to roll into it. So Marcus Smart, Kristaps Porzingis, and Tyus Jones were all part of a three three team deal, right? Yeah. Kristaps is now on the Celtics. Marcus Smart is on the Grizzlies, and Tyus Jones is on the Wizards now. And like a bunch of picks or something. I don't know. Let's break that down in a second here. But those two of those players are available and in my opinion better fit in the Suns than Bradley Beal is. So if they were available, why didn't the Suns go and get Marcus Smart or Tyus Jones? Because they didn't want a guard. They didn't want a point guard, I would guess. They wanted a bigger guard. I don't know why. I think that Marcus Smart would have been better. I agree. Don't you think one of those two players probably would have made more sense than Bradley Beal? I would rather have Bradley Beal than Tyus Jones, probably, if I'm the Suns, because it seems like they're just saying, screw it, we're going all in. But I would definitely rather have Marcus Smart than Bradley Beal. Um, but I'm also I'm I'm a big Marcus Smart believer. What he makes up for and forgetting how to shoot sometimes, he definitely makes up in defense and intangibles. And there's also the uh, I don't know the fact that not every team is willing to deal with every team. Maybe there are certain players, you know. Sure, Marcus Smart was available, I guess, but Marcus Smart was available because the Celtics wanted Kristaps, right? He wasn't available to the Suns because the Suns didn't have anything the Celtics wanted. Yeah. Why why would they want Chris Paul? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. They already have so many guards on the Celtics roster. They needed a big man. Well, could they have taken DeAndre Ayton? Potentially. And I don't know if there were conversations had about that or not. I didn't hear anybody talk about that ever being a discussion, but who knows? It's crazy though. That one that one came up really early too. Beal was the first move of the season. And then, yeah, like you said, I was shocked that the second trade, too, Kristaps to the Celtics. So the the Wizards are saying, we are done. We would like to get the number one pick the year after Victor Wembanyama is in the draft. I don't know why they waited a year for what is shaping up to be a pretty weak draft class. So they have a big man. They got rid of one of their culture cornerstones in Marcus Smart, sent him to the Grizzlies, who could use some freaking culture cult- cornerstones there. And maybe somebody to smack their current point guard when he doesn't know what he's doing. And a better defender. Yeah. And then Tyus Jones ended up getting lost in the shuffle and going to the the burial ground that is the Wizards, who, by the way, now have, in my opinion, the two best backup point guards in the NBA. In Tyus and Monte. And for a brief moment, they had Chris Paul. And if you want to count DeLon Wright as a point guard, they just have a bunch of point guards, and I don't really know what they plan on doing with them they didn't keep chris paul but be on the lookout i wouldn't be shocked if either tyus jones or monte morris also end up getting traded soon 
Yeah. Did we cover the John Morant suspension at all? Uh, no, we didn't actually. Well, we don't have to touch on it too much, but that's another reason that it's a good thing the Grizzlies got Marcus Smart because their current all-star point guard is suspended for 25 games to start the season. Helpful for them for sure. It'll be interesting to see what the Wizards do because I think they're just trying to blow it up as much as possible and get some picks. So well, and, anybody- and as you as you said or alluded to, they briefly had Chris Paul. So another interesting trade that went down. Yeah. It, I mean, there have been some interesting ones to start this, this offseason for sure. So CP3 after going to the Wizards, we all knew he wasn't staying there. It was either a buyout situation a there. or he was going to be traded. He was traded to the Warriors. So the mm. Warriors weren't loyal. Uh, so their GM left, right? We I don't know if we touched touched on that here in this in the, on this podcast or not, but their GM left the the one who was loyal to Bob Steph Myers. Curry, Clay Thompson, yeah, Draymond Green, all those guys. So they gave Jordan Poole a contract. They were talking about him being there for a long time, and then all of a sudden, oh, there he goes. So Jordan Poole was the trade piece to get CP3 to the Warriors. Um, so Jordan Poole now goes to the nothingness wasteland of the Washington Wizards. Uh, CP3 joining with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green. What's going on there? Because Draymond Maybe Green Draymond. just declined his player option. Yep. So I, the Warriors are in a really interesting spot right now, and I don't know what to make of it. And a lot of people are talking about the fact that they just drafted Clay Thompson, like the uh, guy from Santa Clara or something like that with pick number 18, I think. Uh, 19, Brandon Podzimski. Yeah. Everyone's saying like Clay Thompson is his NBA prototype. Um, so who better to learn under? Yeah, that's fair. But does this mean that Clay Thompson has to go? Do you let Clay trade Clay Thompson, get more pieces, keep Steph CP3, and then sign Draymond again? I don't but think they trade him. You have to get bigger, right, in order to deal with the Nuggets. Obviously, we saw that going small doesn't help them. I think that Draymond is the exception to that. Draymond just kind of makes it work. He always has. He's played against massive centers before, and he's always done a good job. They'll get a rotational big, but between Draymond and Kevon Looney, I, I think they have what they need there. I don't see them getting rid of... I don't see them getting rid of any of the three, basically. I think that Golden State fans will be happy not doing as well if they can keep all those guys than if you trade them and you kind of do okay and get to the second round. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but it seems like they've been such a a fixture and like more than just basketball players, but like a, a symbol for the guys that I see them sticking with them for as long as they want to be there. But who knows? You're right. They just changed GMs. Maybe that's not the plan anymore. Maybe they're tired that Draymond punches people in the face that are on his team. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, of if they were picking two out of three guys, I would bet they keep playing Steph. And they would let Dre go and do what he wants to do and make some more money, which I think is a terrible decision for him because he's basically like a Steph Curry accessory piece. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think CP3 comes off the bench and is just basically a change of pace guy for Steph. 
Yeah, well, that, that'll be interesting. Um, another trade that kind of happened already. Uh, the least, actually the today, least interesting trade. Least of them. Uh, John Collins to the Jazz, Rudy Gay to the Hawks, future second. Thoughts on that? I mean, John Collins was given a huge deal with Atlanta. Is Utah forming an interesting team now, or no. are they still a ways out? I, In my opinion, they'll be a ways out. I think there will be some stretches this year where they look good and people are like, ooh, it's their time. But I, I think they probably have a year or so, maybe a couple, before they're really exciting. There's just a lot of teams in the West right now that are more interesting than that. But it really shows to you know how much John Collins' value just deteriorated after he got that contract and then had a finger injury and his shooting dropped off a cliff. And if you're an undersized big who really can't protect the rim, but also can't shoot, uh, there's not much of a place for you in the league right now. So, yeah, but he's been trapped in the trade rumor mills for like three to four seasons. So I'm glad that he finally got traded. So people could stop talking about it. Yeah. Uh, And we'll, we'll keep an eye out. I would bet that we are not done yet. There is a lot of smoke coming out of Portland and uh, that leads us in. I definitely wanted to talk about this, so I'll segue this. So, talking about the all the trade rumors and, and all of that. So, Damian Lillard has been the source of trade rumors so far this season. Whether it's going to be, oh, we need to go get someone to pair with Damian Lillard. Is Damian Lillard a trade asset to send to somewhere like Miami or L.A.? But Portland. Did Portland make the right decision to draft at pick three and not trade that third overall pick? So that being said, Portland did draft Scoot Henderson, which many say is Damian Lillard's replacement, right? Mm hmm. What what is Portland doing? Did they make the right decision to draft him? Are they keeping Scoot and Damian Lillard together? Surely that can't work. Because Damian and CJ McCollum were a lot of fun, but there's nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what's Portland doing there? In my opinion, I I think they did make the right call. Um, from the beginning of when I started hearing about this draft class, it was like this class is going to be so good. At the top, even if you don't get the number one pick, Scoot Henderson is there. It's always about this dude who has a super cool 70s style name. I don't know that much about him, but I started looking at stuff about him. But like, he seems to be a very, very highly valued talent, and you don't see those every year. This is not a guy you can come and draft every single year. And if you're going to bet on potential of a recruit like that or a 36-year-old point guard who, you know, all respect to Dame, he's one of the best guys to watch in the league. He's a clutch time killer every time. He can't get it done by himself. And if they didn't get anything they thought was reasonable for that third pick, like it's a lot to get that team, what we saw last year. And, you know, they're picking third overall in the draft. They weren't that good. I know Dame got injured, but still, it doesn't take one guy to get that from that team to a championship winning team, unless you're taking, I don't know, like Nikola Jokic or LeBron James three years ago or something. So if they didn't get anything that was worthwhile to make them into a title contender, what's the point? Why are you going to draft just to get back to where you were when you had CJ McCollum? I I think that you have to kind of reset and you say, listen, Dame, like we're going to do our best here. We're going to try hard. We're going to get these guys. We'd love it if you would be a mentor. If not, 
let's wait till the season starts, see what happens. There will be some injuries that open up, and we'll try and move you then to wherever we can get you. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's always better to not bet on the guy who's approaching 40, and you have to go with the guy who everybody that wasn't the Spurs and apparently the Hornets wanted on their team. I, I think that's probably the smart thing to do. And I would bet on Damian Lillard probably not finishing the year out with the Trailblazers, but I could be wrong about that. I think he probably starts the season with the Trailblazers, but I don't think he ends it with them. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Would you rather have traded? I think I would have traded to see what kind of additional value I could have gotten in a loaded draft class. Yeah, my thing is I just never heard much about any deals like i feel like you often hear about deals that are maybe this that they didn't like it and like the most i ever heard for them was mikhail bridges and as nice as he is as a piece he's not winning you a championship i don't know we'll see how it plays out uh obviously we'll see this season if scoot henderson is the real deal or not um but yeah, interesting offseason so far, and I'm sure these storylines are going to just continue to keep evolving and evolving. But Mike has written down for our MLB segment that we have some storyline updates. So, Mike, what are these storylines? Basically, what I just want to talk about is it's been a while since we've talked about the MLB on here. So I just want let, let, to let's just give everybody enough people who have been um, focusing on the NHL and the NBA, let's just let's just fill them in on what's been happening across Major League Baseball. And generally, the storylines I'm going to saw are generally probably the surprises. To me, most of the surprises are actually coming from the National League. In the American League, there haven't been a ton of surprises. Baltimore has probably been the biggest surprise in the American League. Everything else has been uh, more or less what you'd expect in the American League, unless you guys have seen something unexpected in there. Mm-mm. I I haven't. Then we're going to talk about the National League, because to me that's the significantly more interesting league of the two. And basically the only thing that isn't a surprise in the National League is that Atlanta is uh, pacing the National League right now with an incredible offense. But pretty much everything else is a surprise. The Cincinnati Reds, who are on a recent hot streak, are currently in first place in the NL Central. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in first place in the NL West, with the San Diego Padres again below 500. who Who's been saying the Padres are bad for, like, years? That, that'd, be, that'd be me, by the way. The Padres are bad. Why have people been thinking the Padres are good? The Padres are not good. They're bad. Sorry, end of rant. But they're even ahead of the Diamondbacks, are even ahead of the Dodgers. The Giants are even ahead of the Dodgers. Um, we've previously talked about how the Cardinals have been surprisingly bad. I think they're going to tear it down and do a rebuild here at the deadline, Ariane. Is that what you're, sense that you're getting to or not? I don't know. I haven't been paying close enough attention because we've been losing, so I haven't been watching. <laughs> all, all I keep seeing, right, is the Twins' offense is definitely struggling, and all I keep seeing is the Twins could trade for Paul Goldschmidt. Twins could trade for Paul Goldschmidt. And I'm like, is he really going to be available? The Cardinals really selling? So I'm going to be really sad. That'll be the first time in my, my memory that we sold that hard at the at the deadline. So I'll be bombed. Yeah. And Goldschmidt is still around next year. 
you just don't have any pitchers in your minor leagues. You'd be looking for pitchers if you uh, did Troy Goldschmidt. But yeah, so will the Cardinals sell is an interesting storyline. Um, who's going to finish with the worst record, Detroit or uh, Oakland? Could be somewhat of an interesting storyline down the stretch. We'll, we'll see that. I mean, the Royals are there too. Don't don't leave us out. Yeah, as I said, the A's are the Royals. No, you said Detroit. Detroit. Oh, Detroit's in third place in the, the center right now. They're not in danger yeah. of finishing with the worst record in baseball. I meant to say Kansas City. Yeah, right now Royals it's Oakland. Yeah. Right now it's Oakland. Uh they're twenty and uh fifty or twenty and sixty instead of twenty two and fifty six. So Kansas City's three games clear of them now, but uh anything can happen late for sure. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played. What else have you guys seen for storyline? I think it's impressive. You were looking at, you know, the Royals versus the Athletics. Obviously they're in different conferences or divisions, whatever. I just think it's funny that the Athletics are 28 and a half games back from first place in their division. Like, that is impressive. They're more games back than games mm-hmm. they have won this year. And it's been interesting to see the AL East and the yeah. AL Central right next to each other. Because pretty much all year, they've been like a straight line all the way from first in the AL East to last in the AL Central. Like, the last place team has the exact same record as the first place team in the East and the Central, respectively, being the Red Sox and the Twins, both at 40 and 39. So interesting to see the difference in the different different divisions there, for sure. Yeah, there's a non-zero chance that... uh... Either the Twins or Cleveland win that AL Central with a below 500 record. There's a distinct non-zero chance that that happens. You know, right now, going into the day, Fangrass still projects the Twins at 83 and 79, slightly above 500, but that's barely above 500. It's a bad division. The Twins can't hit. Cleveland can't hit. Detroit really can't hit. Chicago can't pitch, and Kansas City's awful. So this is an offensively challenged division by, uh, yeah. It's just, just, just not a good division. I yeah, I don't know if there's ever been a worse division. We say that every year about the AL Central. Like, I don't know if there's been a worse division than the AL Central. And we say it every year, and then the AL Central continues to be worse. Like, I don't even know what to... Uh, what to say about the AL Central at this point. The other uh, MLB point I want to touch on before I open it up to you all to say what you've seen is, was it Saturday? I'm pretty sure it was Saturday. The game between the Angels and the Rockies. The Angels scored 24 runs in the first four innings and were at one point up 25 to nothing, which would have been a baseball scoregami score had it stayed 25 to nothing. Unfortunately, Colorado would go and score in the bottom of the eighth, and they ended up losing that game 25 to one, which is not a scoregami. We haven't had a baseball scoregami in so long, and we were that close to it, and I am disappointed that we didn't get it. That, 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 that's all. That's all about that. Do you guys have uh, any other MLB thoughts you want to get? Any storylines you've seen so far this year? I mean, 
so we knew that the Rangers were going in. They've spent a lot of money, but they're doing it without Jacob deGrom literally all year. They have a, the best run differential in the big leagues as long as the Rays didn't eclipse them tonight as we're speaking. So they're, in my opinion, a little bit of a surprise. I thought Houston obviously was going to be the one to take this division, not the Rangers this year. So we'll see about that. I mean, everything else is shaping up kind of as I expected, except for maybe the Mets. The Padres. The Padres are obviously a disappointment. I thought Seattle would be a little bit better than they were. The AL East is phenomenal, by the way. I mean, the Baltimore yeah. Orioles are just, just continue to put in work and play really good baseball. Cincinnati has been a huge storyline as of late. They won what? 12 in a row recently. Did they get that many? I believe they won 12 games in a row. Let me, let me double check that. Let's see. They're currently in a delay. Yesterday, they, yesterday and Saturday, they finally lost to the Braves. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 12 in a row until they lost two to the Braves. So they've been a sensation. Obviously, Ellie De La Cruz has been um, a big sensation for them so far as he won, I believe, NL Player of the Week this week. So fun team to watch. And they had a big sellout uh, for their big comeback on Friday night against the uh, Atlanta Braves. So it's a good time to be a baseball fan in Cincinnati bad time to be a baseball fan just as a general rule i'm, I'm gonna point that out that that's all it's just always a good time to be a baseball fan period mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that you have that point too i don't know i could think of a, a good scenario where it would be a bad time to be a baseball fan what's that um it, it'll come up whenever we get into mike's stupid rules i believe mm. I don't know what you guys are thinking about then, but we'll find out. Should, should we go right there? I think we should. Uh, yeah, I, I'm done. I, I just saw the prompt on the outline, and I, again, I think I know what you're talking about, but if All I'm right. completely wrong, then, then I'm wrong. But yeah, I think we should get right into it, right into Mike's stupid rules. What do you think I'm talking about? Let's do it. What do you think I'm talking about? I think you're talking about the, uh, is it about the Dodgers? It is. And how their their lights are new and can be turned on and off very quickly. Kind of. During a home run when they turn out the lights, when the ball is heading right towards your face, that's probably a bad time to be a baseball fan. When, when the stadium lights go out during a home run. It, it could happen, though. Yes, but it is not quite what I'm thinking of. Oh, you're close. Yes, you have the right team and the right field and the right light. But that's not what I'm thinking of. So I'm thinking of a play where with their fancy new lights, the the light operator got overzealous and there was a ball that hit off the top of the wall and came back in play. Like, you know, just a normal play. And the light uh, operator got excited and triggered the home run celebration lights while the ball was in play. So like the left fielder, is throwing it into the, sh- the cutoff man, the shortstop, and the lights are just going crazy. 
well, this is happening. Well, well, the ball is in play and well, the thing is happening. So the question that we'll talk about in Mike's Stupid Rules, how do you officiate that? Believe it or not, this is actually in the rule book um, slash the umpire's manual um, for this. So if I find the exact reference here, it must be in the umpire's manual because I can't find the exact reference in the rule. So then in the umpire's manual, it does state if the lights go out in the middle of a play, so as that it could make it difficult for the feet or so in, sorry, so in, in the umpire judgment, it makes it difficult for the umpire to officiate the play. So that's the way the umpire manual phrases it. If the lights go out to make it difficult for you to do your job, it doesn't care about the players, but for the umpire to do their job, the umpire should immediately call the ball dead and then use their power um, that they have to rectify a, a situation like that, right? The umpires have wide latitude in in strange scenarios to use their best judgment to rectify the grievance. So essentially, if the lights go out and the umpires can't see well enough to officiate the play, it is immediately dead and they shall place the runner or call out um, as needed to rectify the situation. So in this case, that was pretty straightforward. I mean, the, it was going to be a double. The runner on second was going to score. The runner on first probably wasn't. So you just call a dead ball. You place the runners on second and third, and you play on. But the interesting part about that was, like I said, it's it's all based on whether the umpires can officiate the play. They're not supposed to try to judge how the players are affected. It's all about whether or not they can officiate the play properly after the lights have gone out, which I thought was interesting. It's not a player safety thing. It's just a get-the-call right thing. I mean, it makes sense, though. I mean, it can't really be a player safety thing. And anything that would affect the player is always going to be in the rule book, right? You, it's hard to say use your best judgment on something that affected somebody else. This makes sense to me. I, don't, I guess I don't know what else you do besides say don't do that. I mean, you penalize the home team at that point. Yeah, but I, I feel like you would, you'd have to feel like it's either intentional or uh, reoccurring, right? That's to true. punish the home team for, right? Just like fans throwing stuff on the field, right? Like you'll give the fans ample warning before you do anything about that by penalizing the home team type thing. I mean, obviously you'll kick a fan out, but right. You, you've got, it, there's gotta be a repeated thing before you'd, uh, you'd give, you discipline the home team for it. But theoretically, they could, right? Because, like I said, via that clause, the umpires have a wide latitude to rectify that situation. So, Yeah, no, like I said, this makes sense. I think I might even get my wires crossed because there might have been a, a play earlier this year uh, where a home run was hit. And it, when it was like mid-flight, they started doing the, the celebration lights. And uh, there was a lot of concern of, okay, what if that ball hit somebody while the lights were off? So this has happened twice or, or, or somebody was uh, extrapolating based off of your scenario from a couple months ago. Yeah, that would be potentially problematic, but that's not really a rules question. No, but that would be a bad time to be a baseball fan. <laughs> it would be a bad time to be a baseball fan, yes. But probably not something covered in Mike's Stupid Rules just because... It's not a rule. So, 
Though technically, until the ball hits something out of play, it's still a live ball. So theoretically, it would be covered by the same rule, right? That was going to be my next question. When is a home run dead? Is it when it touches the ground or touches something? It's got it right. The ball is live until it touches right. If it, let's say it cleared the fence and then a big gust of wind blew it back fair. If it doesn't touch something, it's fair. Right. Yeah. Just because it goes over an out of play area doesn't make it out of play. To me, yes. It theoretically, it's when it hits something out of play would be when it's out of play. So technically, yes, that could you that could also fall into this position if the lights turning off and on affect umpire's ability to officiate the play. They can't if it's close to the line. They can't see if it's fair foul, etc. Right, they could they could call it dead and use their judgment, and in that case, they probably call it foul. Is what they'd use mm-hmm. their best judgment to rectify it in. So, moral of the story: Let's wait on these celebration light effects until the ball is dead, or at least in somebody's glove. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you you better be darn sure before you hit the celebration button. Kind of like when they prematurely fire the cannon at Iowa State games. That's so embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> What if it's just one button? Like, is it just a celebration lights button? It's got to be do a few things. I don't know. I'm curious. No, nah, I yeah, I bet it's some sort of predetermined script. They just say, okay, and go celebrate. I feel like it should be a big red lever. You know, that seems more dramatic. You have to pull it really hard. Yeah, just just start pushing it. Yeah, how how quickly can you tap the button? Is how cool the celebration is. Like in those old video <laughs> games. <you know? laughs> if you're a light or uh, AV technician operator out there that has any insight, let us know. Tweet at us at 8311cast. Please do. I'm, I'm curious now. I am as give well. Us a tour of, give us a tour of like your booth. That would be super cool. That'd be dope. Hit us up. We'll put you on the podcast. Yeah, we would. Yeah, let's get some guests up in here. Yeah, producer, when are you going to work on that? Well, I'm pretty sure Drew Brees still has an outstanding invitation since episode one. He hasn't showed up He yet, does, so yes. The cards he, are not stacked. What's he team. doing these days, you know? I mean, he's he in retirement. He has time to come on. We'll hit him up. Come on, Drew. He doesn't even need to travel. No. Any other questions on that rule? No, nope. makes sense to me. Good stuff. Well, if no other questions on the rule, we'll move into our Write That Down Predictions segment, starting with our accountability session. Short one this week, two predictions from Kyle and one from Josh. We'll start it off with Kyle predicting that Wake Forest would win the College Baseball World Series. They did not do that. Um, They got eliminated. I believe they got eliminated by LSU in the semifinals. Is that correct, Kyle? They did. LSU is currently obliterating Florida, by the way, 13-3. to yeah, LSU is going to win it unless Florida comes back and goes, you know, like 10 in the last couple innings here, which they're not going to. Yeah, it seems unlikely. So congratulations to premature congratulations to LSU, your national champions in baseball. Yay, go you. Okay, that's enough talk about college baseball. Because Iowa State doesn't have a team, so we don't care. Anyway, Kyle, the prediction is wrong, so nah. 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 Kyle, you also predicted that Grady Dick from Kansas would not be a lottery pick. I am informed that he was. Is that correct? He was indeed. Number 13 to the Raptors. The Raptors of Toronto in a ridiculous rhinestone red jacket that you should look up if you have not seen it because it's a lot. 
I will do that, I guess. But anyway, he was a lottery pick, so that means it is a nah. 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 And Josh predicted that Rowdy Telez would hit a home run this week. He has not hit a home run in more than a month now. Um, so that means not this week. So, nah. 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 Oh, yeah, do you want to use your still relatively new power to uh, get us started putting stuff up on the board? I would love to. I'm going to open up this week by predicting that Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren will be top two for Rookie of the Year voting in the NBA this year. Uh, You might remember Chet Holmgren being a person. Uh, He didn't play last year, so technically he will be eligible this year, like Blake Griffin and Ben Simmons. In that order or in any order? In any order. I'm going to cop out and not give an order. Okay. I think think the Blazers are going to be bad which means scoot henderson might be given free reign to do a lot for that team yeah scoot is definitely the wild card here and brandon miller to an extent as well yeah how healthy is chet Holmgren gonna be is one of the questions of course yeah that's a good question we haven't we've never seen him play and potentially victor being that he's tall skinny dudes tall skinny dude have we gotten an official measurement on him yet? He didn't go to the combine. So, like, I guess we're just going with seven foot five for now. I had seven four. Is he seven four? Okay. He's a he's absurdly tall. Yes, he's very tall. I think that makes him the tallest player in the league. Is this a double? I mean, I don't know. It's probably a double. That's probably fine. I won't get my feelings hurt. Yeah. Double I... just seems it's it's hard to determine, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a double, unless Wyatt objects. No, not at all. Double sounds good to me. What do you got, Mike? I am going to switch to college football for my prediction. I'm going to say the Cyclones beat Iowa in the Cyhawk game. Uh, is it in Ames this year or in Iowa City this year? It's got to be in Ames. It was in Iowa Ames, City last year. It's in Ames, yep. yeah. It is in Ames. Yeah, Cyclones are going to win. Iowa's going to be bad, just like they were last year. They're going to be bad again. I was wondering what this was in because it just says Cyclones beat Iowa and that's it. I'm like, at all this year? Because that should happen at least once, I hope. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah football for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a single. I, I hope it's at least a 50-50 chance, right? Yeah, I don't know. I doubt there are odds right now. They're not going to be good with, with Barta leaving and who knows what else. Is going to oh, they got uh, the Michigan transfer quarterback, right? Oh, I forgot that about that. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't it? Uh, I mean, it should, but it, it Anything doesn't. Anything is better than what they've had. So, like, they still have their same offensive coordinator. But they're not using the same awful quarterback. That's true. Now, before any football has been played at all, apparently FPI is already up and going. Yes. And it gives Iowa State a 52.6% chance to win that game. Iowa 47.4. Seems kind of ridiculous that we already have numbers for that, but uh, sure. Those numbers are also meaningless. Right. Even more so than they normally are. It just means nothing at all. FBI's garbage, man. I'm going to go with single. Still. Yeah. Single. Single. Do you think from Josh this week, is he still alive? He is still alive, and he's uh, enjoying the summer weather, but he does not have a prediction this week. He's going to take the strikeout. Sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and predict that Brock Purdy will win the ESPY Best Breakthrough Athlete of 2023. How do you pronounce that? 
the ESPYs? They, they, they do. The ESPYs. <laughs> yes, thank you. Or as Wyatt refers to them, the ESPY. The ESPY. <laughs> Did you guys watch the EMMYs last night? So good. The, what about the GRAMYs? <laughs> The T O N Ys, get out of here! I think there are two M's. I think there are two M's in a Grammy. Also, I don't think it's Grammy. I've never said I could spell. It's not Graham. It's not a prerequisite (laughs) for engineering. Oh, trust me, I know. Are there like candidates out for this? When did the SBs even happen? Um, they will be early July. Voting is open now. Brock Purdy is on the list for this nomination, as is Caitlin Clark. And two other individuals who I forgot. Give me a hot second here. Sounding good. Sounded like he's in the lead. An NFL player, a college basketball player, or two people that you don't even know who they are. Basically, it's going to be Clark or Purdy. And anybody who votes for Clark obviously didn't pay attention before this year. Because, yes, Kate Hook was very, very good this year. And a breakthrough, though, is she? (laughs) No, she was very, very good last year, it's too. Been really good, yeah. yeah. Uh, Angel Reese, basketball, and Julio Rodriguez, baseball. Okay, so it's probably going to be Purdy. If it's not Purdy, I guess it's Rodriguez. Can we find uh, SB betting lines? Yeah, those There's are no way that exists. No SB way. betting lines. There's SB some degenerates. Yeah, oh, pro. yeah. There no are. way. There you go. Oh, yeah, there are. What do we got? Ah, uh, they only have them for uh, certain things, though, and that isn't one of the categories. Well, I agree that he is a favorite for that, I would think. I would say he's the favorite. Single? Sure. That's fine. It's also worth mentioning that Caitlin Clark is in another category for, like, best college athlete or something as well. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, it is sprint race weekend in Austria, um, for formula one. And my prediction is that Red Bull will have a triple crown this weekend. So they will get pole position, sprint race, win, and then a race win. doesn't matter if it's Max Verstappen or Checo Perez, Red Bull will claim victory in all three. Not to be confused with the actual triple crown, which is not that. Right. Yeah. Just the triple crown of this race weekend. <laughs> of, which I deemed defined <laughs> by a pole, the sprint win, and the race win. <laughs> For those that are unaware, the triple crown of motorsport would be what the Indy 500, 24 hours of Le Mans, and um, Monaco, right? Yep. Yeah, those would be the main three. Uh, we've only had one other sprint race this year at Baku. And in that case, I don't think Red Bull was pole. I feel like that was the race where Charles Leclerc was pole and then got screwed over like usual. I think he was. Let me um, let me fact check that. Real, yeah, real yeah, definitely fact check that. Either way, this seems unlikely. Um, I also want to interject my disdain for the sprints as a whole. I do not like them. They're pointless. And... I, I don't know. I just don't like him. Good to know. Uh, let me hold on. It's one of those things where they introduced last year, it flopped. And then instead of just getting rid of it, they brought it back for only six races this year to see if anybody actually likes it. Well, but they had Let's it see. for four races last year and they bumped it up to six this year to, to see if more people will like it. And right. nobody likes it. I don't. Like nobody it. likes it. Therefore, nobody uh, likes it. Uh, 
sprint <laughs> results. Perez sure won Perez the got, yeah. sprint. Perez won the race. And should I know what got, a sprint race got, is? No. Okay. No. Cool. A sprint it, race <laughs> is a shortened race. It's a so poor like way a, like to a determine. Race? Yeah, basically, kind of, but it determines qualifying position. Hmm. It, it's well, a way to, to garner more views, essentially, for a free practice session for, for qualifying for FP3, essentially. But qualifying still determines the race order, which is done on Friday. But the sprint race is just a shortened race, basically. And you get points for it. And it's supposed to draw more interest. It, they claim it's more of a challenge for each team because they only get one practice session to tune their cars and get ready for the race, so they basically just have to come prepared uh, and do a lot of adjustments on the fly, but pretty much all the drivers hate it. Like, why would you like it? Like I said, it's pointless. You're right, I, I got confused. It does not determine qualifying at all. That's all set prior. But it, it, it's a way to just get more people to watch the free practice sessions on, on a Saturday. As well, in everything, it's all about the money. As always, I will just wait to see what Wyatt says, and then I'll just say uh-huh. the same thing. Um, this is either this is probably a home run, to be honest. However, however, um, Red Bull is extremely overpowered at the moment. I don't think it's enough to bring it down to a triple, though. It's either a triple or a home run, and I would just go with a home run. I'm in for a home run. run. Let's do it. Yay. I was going to vote for triple because Red Bull's really good. But they I are heard, so. very, I heard, really good. I heard two home runs. But it, it and in other news, real quick on the F1 news, uh, if anyone cares, Ryan Reynolds uh, bought minority stake in Alpine F1 Racing. Uh, actually, today, uh, the twenty sixth of June. So more influence, uh, celebrity influence is entering into the sport. Um, most famously, he's known recently for his Wrexham. Uh, ownership stake um if people are familiar with that in european soccer more british soccer so yeah there you have it there's some other big news in f1 this week it was a pretty big minority stake though it was like 25 percent 20 24 percent uh 218 million which valued alpine f1 racing team at 900 million dollars so uh it wasn't ryan reynolds putting in all that money it's his other uh, partner um, in Wrexham, I forget his name. Rob McElhenney. Um, yep, mm-hmm. and then Michael B. Jordan, as well as a financial cap or an investment cap um, uh, partner, was in with that minority stake too. So there you have it. I like it. So we'll give that a home run. I believe Sounds is good. what we decided yes. on. Yep. So with a strikeout, two singles, a double, and a home run, that concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means. We are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 228. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check with the social media pages at 8311Cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersch. Mike Ludwig. Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!